0: Isaac began the year with his message, the God of second chances. Wasn't that a great word that he gave? I love that. And uh, this was totally not planned at all, but his message was the God of second chances. And uh, not only though is God the God of second chances, but God is the one who should be first. In fact, sometimes we need second chances because we don't get the first things right the first time, or we don't, we're do not we not doing what is the priority or the important thing. And um, so today I want to begin a new series entitled First Things First. That's, the, that's what I want to talk about over the next few weeks. I want to talk about making those commitments that we need to make in order to make it. Uh, if we're going to get through this life, if we're going to get where God wants us to be in His ultimate plan and purpose for our life, there are some commitments that the Lord calls us to, and uh, there are some first things, and so as we launch out into this year, uh, though we have already are well into the year, uh, a couple of weeks, we, we, we still need to set and establish priorities in our lives, those God-given commitments in our lives, and so I want to talk about that And uh, today I want to begin on this idea of our first love. First thing is the first love of our life. And that's what I want to talk about. And I want to come out of Mark chapter 12. And uh, I want to read this little passage of scripture in Mark 12 beginning at verse 28. And uh, this is what the word says. Then one of the scribes came to Jesus and uh, and having heard them, Reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, ask him, that is he's asking Jesus, what is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. In other words, this is the first of all the firsts said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then he went on and he said, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to Jesus, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth for there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength, to love him, uh, to love one neighbor, neighbor as oneself is more uh, than all of the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And so that's the word I want to read. Let's pray and uh, let's get right into the word. Lord, we love you so much. And again, we thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for what you did in Diane's life, and thank you for what you can do in our lives. And I just pray today that we will all draw closer to you through the power of your word today, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Amen. All right, so many years ago, back in the 90s, early 2000s, there was a really popular author, educator that uh, was well known for a book that he wrote called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, in fact, there were a lot of spinoffs on that in the church. I even preached a message out of the book of Revelation, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Churches, uh, based on the seven churches of the book of Revelation. And so it was a big deal back in those days. And of the seven principles that he talks about, the third principle of a highly effective person is that they put first things first. There were seven things, and the third principle was put the first things first. And then later he wrote a book with the title, First Things First. Would you say those words with me? First Things First. So here are some of the quotes out of that book that Stephen Covey said. He said, here's the first one. He said, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. That's that's a good one, okay? He went on and said, this is another one, he said, most of us spend too much time on what is urgent and not enough time on what is important. In other words, we allow the urgencies of life to drive us and to set our schedule rather than maintaining the important things and let everything else find its way in where it needs to. We get that out of whack, and we get out of whack. Come on now, am I talking to anybody in the room? Not you, of course. All right. Here's another thing he's famous for saying. The main thing is to keep the main thing. The main thing. Can you just read that with me? The main thing is to keep the main thing. The main thing. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33 but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else in your life that is necessary that you have need of will find its way find its place in your life but the first thing is to seek God. Not the second thing. Don't fit God in when you find time to fit Him in. Put Him first. Put His kingdom first. Put His word first. Put His will first. And everything else that you think is important. A, and may in fact be very important. But if you'll put God first. Everything else will find its place. It's not the other way around. That's Jesus' way of saying the main thing, keep the main thing, the main thing. Amen. So this Stephen Covey would go on later, and in his uh, classes at his university, he would take this jar, and he had these different sizes of rocks. And uh, there were some large ones, there were some small ones, and there were some pebbles there. And what he would do would demonstrate this principle. He would go ahead and he would fill the jar with the rocks and he would put in the small ones and then the medium size and then the big rocks he tried to fit in the jar and he couldn't get them all to fit in the jar but then he would pour all that out then here's what he did he would take the big rocks put the big rocks in the jar first because the big rocks represent the priorities the first things And then he would take those medium-sized rocks, and they would all fit. Then he would take all those little pebbles, and they—and all of a sudden, what wouldn't fit before, now all of them fit in the jar. And he was trying to demonstrate that if you will put first things first, then everything else will fall in line. Now, every one of us has things and something in our life that is a priority. It's something that changes our schedule, it captures our attention, it causes us to make sacrifices. For the Christian, God should be our priority. He should come first. He's the one that should capture our passions. He's the one that should change our schedules. He is the one that should cause us to want to sacrifice our lives for his glory, but, far, but for far too many of us as Christians, God has, he's, he's kind of like the smaller thing in the glass jar. We find if we, got, if other things take precedence sometimes, and we find out that we're trying to fit God into our already busy lives because we're so busy trying to solve the urgencies of life that we neglect the important things of life. Amen. Are you with me out there? And so, what happens to us is that we say God is first. But we live like He's not. We say it, but we live like He's not. And one of these areas is the area of our love for Him. That He is, we say He's our first love. But is He actually our first love? Now in this passage that we read... Jesus was questioned about what's the first thing? What's the most important thing? What's the priority thing? And Jesus said it. To love God first. That's first. What's most important in your life isn't the circumstance you're presently facing. It's Him. And your love and your devotion and your commitment of Him, that He's the priority of your life. And... Not that he fits in when there's opportunity for that. And so Jesus goes on and he talks about how that we need to love God first. And when we talk about love for God, I think it's important that we understand according to the Hebrew word and the Greek word, the love we're talking about is not merely an emotional feeling based on circumstance, but that it is a, it is a choice where we are deeply affectionate for God. He is the desire of our heart. That he is the love of our life. And we choose to love him with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. So what does loving God look like? Well, I want to come back to this idea out of the Gospel of Mark that we read. I want to kind of end the message there. But before we get there, I want to talk about why it is reasons we forsake our first love. And then I want to talk about how we reignite that love, and then return to that love. So to begin with, let's just talk about why it is that we will sometimes forsake our first love in God. Now when Jesus, uh, in the book of Revelation, Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches. And the first church that he wrote to was the church at Ephesus. And you read about this in the second chapter. And Jesus commended them for all of the great things that they were doing. He was saying to them, you do, you do, uh, he said to them, you do not bear with those who are evil. He said, you have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. He was commending them for a lot of good things that they were doing right. But then look at what Jesus says in chapter 2, verse 4 of the book of Revelation. He said to that church, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Now, that word left does not mean you have lost, like a set of keys, your first love. Like you've misplaced your love. You don't know what you, it just kind of, you woke up one day and you can't remember where your love went. That's not what the word left means. The word left literally means. To leave, to send away, to bid to go, or to let go of. He said, you had a love for me, an intimate, passionate love and desire for me, but you let that go. It was almost as if you sent it away. You did that. You didn't just wake up one day and somebody had snatched it away from you. You are the one who used to love me passionately and walk with me intimately, but you left your love. And here's the rub. They did not love him. Jesus said you had forsaken your first love. And, but notice, they were doing all the Christian things right. They didn't maintain their relationship or tend to the fires of their devotion for him. What they did was they let go of their love. They forsook their love. And when I was thinking about this and looking at it, I I thought of what are some of the indicators? What are some of the signs that we have left our first love? And I think what happened to them is something that can easily happen to us here today. And that is that we can replace our intimacy with Jesus to being devoted to Christianity. We can forsake the relationship to Jesus, to Christ, and just be a devoted uh, Christian, as it were, in name only. We know how to toe the party line, so to speak. We know what Christians do, we know how Christians vote. We know how we know the things Christians say, and you can go through all of the motions and do all of the things that Christians do, but you can still not have that personal, intimate relationship with God. Or you guys are quiet. That's what can happen to us. We know how to do Christianity, but we don't always walk with Christ intimately. And even Jesus warned of this. He said in Matthew chapter 7, he said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And cast out demons in your name. And done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them. This is Jesus talking. I will say to them. I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. You know what real lawlessness is to the Lord? It's that we don't know him intimately. And walk with him in relationship. We think of lawlessness as all of the deep, dark sins that nobody wants to talk about. But he said the practice of lawlessness is to pretend that you have a relationship with me, but you don't really know me. And so what happens to us sometimes, and we leave our first love, is we replace intimacy with Jesus to being devoted to Christianity. And that's nothing to the Lord. He doesn't want people in name only. He wants people from the heart. Another thing that I think sometimes can be a reason why we forsake our first love, and that's because we resist the work of the Spirit in our heart. I want to remind you that Romans chapter 5 tells us that the Holy Spirit is the love of God poured out in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is the love of God poured out in our hearts. So we have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And the work of the Holy Spirit is the inner presence of God to be a fire of devotion in our heart for the Lord. Everything He wants to do in our lives is to bring us closer to Jesus. To keep our hearts on fire with the Lord. To keep our relationship with Him vibrant and alive. Every time we open the book, the Holy Spirit is there to ignite the flame of God's Word in our heart. To make it a flame of fire on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit is there to lead us and guide us in the way that Jesus would have us to go. But what happens to us is we do what Paul warned against. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, he wrote to the Christians and he said, Do not quench the fire of the Spirit in your heart. There's a flame of the presence of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us when we give our lives to the Lord. And if the fire is gone, you and I are the one who quenched it. God didn't withdraw his fire because we fell on our face. Like Diane said, the Lord's there. He's there to help us. He's there to pick us up. But if we don't have the fire of devotion anymore, we're the ones who put it out. Amen. I'm starting to feel my oats now. Watch out. Stephen was preaching to... The hard-hearted Pharisees and scribes and religious leaders. And he said in Acts chapter 7 verse 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. That's a problem. How do we resist the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is there. He's in us, the love of God in us, poured out into our hearts, right there, empowering us to draw near to God. And what do we do? The Holy Spirit is there to guide us into all truth, but we ignore the truth. We don't listen to the truth. We neglect the truth. We snuff out the truth. When the truth doesn't feel good, we reject it. When the truth doesn't seem good, we just ignore it. If we don't like the truth, we set it to the side. And then we wonder, where's the love? Why don't I feel God like I used to feel? Because sometimes we're resisting the Holy Spirit's work who guides us into all truth. And He's appealing to us and He's trying to show us God's way, but we're resisting Him. Because it doesn't feel good. Because we don't like that truth. It doesn't fit this time in my life. Well the truth is the truth is the truth. Whether you like it or not. He's there to convince us. Yes, and he's even there to convict us, you know, the Holy Spirit will be there and he'll point out those pet little sins in our life that we coddle, those little sins that we pick up and we kind of, oh, this isn't that big of a deal, this isn't that bad, and we'll just kind of, and he's trying to get us to deal with these things and get these things out of our lives, but we just welcome them like, like a stray dog shows up at your doorstep and you start feeding it and watering it. That's how we got pets when I was a kid. We didn't go rescue a pet. They came to us. Oh, there's a dog. I guess they're ours now. Ticks and fleas and all. And my mom, bless her heart, she loved animals so much. And she would pour over those animals. She just welcomed them. And that's what we do sometimes with things that are not of God we give it a place in our lives and the holy spirit is trying to help us to get those things out and when we resist him we're just we're cutting off that sense of the of our love for god i'm not this is this is right in the word of god sometimes the holy spirit comes to reveal the hatred and unforgiveness in our hearts and we don't want anything to do with it sometimes he wants to Help us with our disgruntled attitude and show us where we misplaced our priorities, but we push him to the side. We quench the fire of the love of God on the inside of us. Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, you do a lot of good things and you do a lot of things well, but you don't love me. Get this first. This is first. Amen. So if our love for God is like a fire of devotion, then we need to reignite that love. And that's my second point. Here's what Jesus said, and I know I've got to hurry here, but Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2 verse 5, he said, remember therefore from where you have fallen. He's talking to Christians here. He said, remember, you used to be here, but you've fallen from here. He didn't say they were going to hell. He didn't say they lost their salvation. The very fact that he wrote them a letter is letting them know, you're mine. I love you, but I don't think you love me like you used to love me. And you used to be here, but you're here. And he said, remember where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come and quickly remove the lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. And I think those words of Jesus are alarming. But we need to hear them. Because what he's saying to us is the removal of the lampstand, in one sense, is kind of like a subtle warning. But it also is indicative that he's saying, this fire, this devotion, this this light of love is going to be completely snuffed out if you don't turn things around. I'm talking to you because I love you and I know that you want to experience me in that relational way again so I'm if you don't do something about this the lamp will completely go out. It's like Jesus is saying, "Come on, light your fire." You know. Come on, baby, light your fire. When we recognize that we have are losing our fire and intimacy with Jesus. Jesus gives us a very simple and clear pathway. To reigniting that love. He said first of all remember. Everybody say remember. In other words he says I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about what it was like with me. When your soul was awakened to me. Think back. To the fire and the love and the excitement and the thrill of what you used to have in me. And don't have an attitude, well, I've been there, done that. I'm wiser now. I understand how things work around here. And become jaded. And become indifferent. And become calloused. And you may show up to church regular. You may even read your Bible on a regular basis. You may even open your app and read the Scripture of the day on a regular basis. But you kind of lost the thrill he said, so I want you to go back and I want you to think about it. I know that many places in God's word where the Lord says, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past, but he also tells us, as Isaac told us here today, remember, think about, don't ever forget what it used to be like. Hold on to that thought. Hold that thought. I've been so excited. I was so in love with the Lord. I didn't do prayer because it was a thing on my checklist. I did it because I would hear God. The Lord would show up to me. I didn't read my Bible because it's the Christian thing to do. I did it because I wanted to to see what God was going to say next. What did it used to be like for you? He said, remember that. Remember that. Then he said, Repent. Everybody say, repent. I said, you got to repent. You know what repentance means? It means to change your mind. God didn't change his mind. You and I have to change our mind. God still loves us, but sometimes we got things out of order, and he says, here's how you fix it you have to do the changing. Amen. You guys okay out there? You look sad. Isaac says, you're repenting. That's good. You know what repentance means? It means that I decide that where I'm going is not the right way. And I'm making a decision to go in the opposite direction. That's what repentance means. And listen, you could say, well, I've repented. I've decided that this isn't the right way. But if you keep going that way, you didn't repent. Amen. Take that pill. It's a big one. Don't pretend like, well, I've repented about it. Repentance shows up in your direction. Shows up. And then he said, return. Everybody say, return. Here's what he said. Go back and do the first works. Return. Remember, repent, return. Which brings us to point number three. What does this returning look like? To return to our first love. This is where I want to come back to Mark chapter 12. Here's what Jesus said. Now I'm going to have to do this quickly because I'm out of time. But I'm just going to give you the principle and I want to show you a scripture and maybe say something about it. But I want to try to do this quickly. To return to our first love, we've got to go back to do it. Love the Lord our God like Jesus said, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. So with our heart, we, it means we need to love God exclusively. We need to love God with exclusive kind of love. Jesus said in Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot love both God and mammon. Now, mammon in the days of Jesus was an idol god of riches. It represented worldly wealth and material wealth. It was a god of an idol God of the times. And Jesus says you cannot have a love for God and have a love for idols of things that you crave and you desire at the same time. God must have exclusive love from you. You say, well, I don't have any idols. Well, if there's anything in your life that you love more than God, then yes, you do. And you, that shows up. In subtle ways, because again, whatever you love, and whatever your priority is, it changes your schedule, it captures your attention, it it excites your passions, and if there's other things that draw you away from God, that's an idol. And you love it more than you love Him. And Jesus says, you can't love me exclusively, and have this thing ruling and driving you and drawing you in another direction. To return to our first love, we need to love from the soul, which is to love God with surpassing love. A love above and beyond all other loves. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 through 39, he who loves father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter, more than me, is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me, is not worthy of me. He who finds life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus said the most important love of your life, is not your family and your friends and the people around you, not even your children. You love me first, and you love me most. And when you love me like this, you're finding life. In other words, life will happen as it's intended to happen for you if your love for me is greater than anyone else and everyone else. And this sounds so harsh. People say, oh, I love Jesus. Have you read a lot of what Jesus said? I mean, it's pretty stout. Jesus says, in order to you, for you and I to walk in the life that God has called us to, to walk in, we cannot allow other people to be forcing us to make our decisions of what's important and what's priority. If you listen, if you love your children more, your children will drive you and I to, it'll, it'll draw us away from the Lord. Same is true of family or friends or political party. Amen. Since we're going into political season, just want to make sure, keep it under wraps. Amen. Sorry, church. I'm trying my best to get through this. In other words, you will love your family, your children, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, you will love them best when you love him most. Because when you love him most and you get that first thing first, then the other things, it'll affect the other relationships in the right way. Amen. Amen. Love God. With an obedient love. This is when we love with our mind. This comes back to the mind. Loving God with an obedient love. Jesus said in John fourteen twenty one, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So here's how God loves us. God loved us so much that not only did he give his son, but you know his son is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And so the word of God was manifest in Jesus, but God has given us his word in the Bible through the person of Jesus Christ, and the reason why he has given us this word is for our benefit, for our life, so that we will live life to the fullest. So that we will avoid the pitfalls of life. So that we have boundaries to keep us on what Jesus called the straight and narrow. Amen? And so, so Jesus says, Here, here's how you know that you really love God. Is that you'll keep his word, which is a manifestation of his love for you. He gave you this because he loves you. He wants the best for you, and you reciprocate that love when you pay attention to it, and you honor him, and you say, you know what? Your word is what really matters for me. Not my emotions, not my feelings, not my own choices. Your word is what really matters, and I want to do your will. And in fact, John goes on in another book that he wrote, 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, and he says, when we obey the word of God, this is clear evidence that we really love him. He, He said in These words, he says, he who says that I know him and does not keep his commandments. Watch, this is tough, man. This is a big pill to swallow. He's a liar. Beloved, John the Beloved, they call him. If that's love, no. He says he's a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him or complete in him by this we know that we are in him because we do what he wants us to do amen and then katie if you will come this is my last one um love him with all your strength this means love god with persevering love love god with the persevering love i got to read this to you it's first peter chapter one verses six through nine peter is writing to christians who are undergoing Severe trial and persecution because they are Christian. They are going through stuff that they shouldn't, they didn't deserve. They shouldn't have to go through it. They are in in the biggest trial of their life. And Peter writes to them, listen to his words. He says, "So, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though You must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor On the day that Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Listen to this. You love him. Even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now. You trust him. And you rejoice with glorious. Inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him. Will be the salvation of your souls. Jesus said, You got to love the Lord your God. Here's here's how you return to your first love love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You go through things that you don't want to go through, you endure fiery trials that you do not want to go through. But you and I have an imperishable calling. God has an eternity for us. And the only way that we can get through this time and through this trial is we keep our love on fire for Him. You love Him, He says. You've never seen Him, but you love Him. And you're going to get through this. How? Because you're loving Him with all your strength. You're going to wake up and you're going to keep going. And when you fall flat on your face, you're going to stand back up and you're going to get going again. And when someone strikes you in the face, you're going to turn the other cheek and keep going. Because you love him. And when you love him, even though you've never seen him, you're going to see him. You're going to get through this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all the while, he's making you stronger and he's developing you. Proving the genuineness of your faith. Let's get the first thing first. Let's make the main thing the main thing. First thing Jesus said. First love. Get your love right. That's the first thing. Can we stand together? Can I have those who are going to be praying for people to come on up. And if you'd be prepared. If you need prayer for anything today. We would. Be more than willing to pray with you about that. And uh, just want to remind you that if sometime this week, as the Lord leads, if you could just pray, obviously pray for Daniel, Rachel and the family as often as you think of them, but also maybe consider taking a day and fasting, seeking God for them. Today, if you want to give your heart to Jesus as as Lord and Savior, we want to invite you to come today, come forward and receive him, and let us pray with you about receiving the Lord. Can we just pray right now in in closing? Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for being with us here today. Lord, I just pray that your word would become a lamp unto our feet and a light for our path today. God, that you would show us the way through your word that we can live out our first love. That our first love can be a reality in our life that you are our first love bless us as we go from this place god and again bless daniel bless his body strengthen him lord under this uh chemotherapy lord we ask god that you would move miraculously in his body give him special strength god for each day jesus name we pray and everybody says amen amen god bless you as you go today